Amen. So we're going to look at a couple of words this morning. And I think we're going to start over here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. Matthew 16, 13. Sixteen thirteen. I just thank you once again for uh, the opportunity to learn from you, to hear from you, to experience you at this time. And uh, I pray God to just be with us all the way this morning and say what needs to be said uh, to our group and our team here. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew sixteen thirteen through 19, it says, Now when Jesus went to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples... Uh, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. Everybody say the Christ. The Son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, blessed. And then he, uh, in the Amplified Classic Version, it elaborates more on what that word blessed means. Happy, fortunate, or to be envied. So he said he was happy, he was fortunate, or to be envied. Uh, are you Simon Barjona? For flesh and blood, men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So he says you, you, you're to be envied. You're blessed. You should be happy. He said because my daddy showed you something. Yeah, right? You didn't get this from a man. You got this from the Heavenly Father. Right? Now understand here, this is before the time uh, of Jesus' death. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came into us, and we understand that, that that's the software, I, I, I paraphrase and use that t- that example. That's the software that we use to communicate back and forth with God, right? But He gave us His Holy Spirit, and that we can connect and we can stay connected with Him. But here's the situation: before Jesus had died, and before the Holy Spirit could come and live on the inside of Him, God communicated this to Peter and helped Peter to understand. Now Peter was a wild dude, and yet we still see here that God communicated with the guy. Peter would cuss. Right? When they said, hey, listen, you was with Jesus. You're one of them guys. Your speech uh, tells on you. The way you talk tells who you are. Uh, and uh, he said, then he told him, he said, no, three times. You know, and then he finally went on and cussed him and let him know that it's real serious. You know, hey, no, stop saying that. I, I, I'm not the guy. Right? And so then when they came and got Jesus, Peter pulled his knife out of his back pocket. I tell you, everybody in Cleveland, you live in Cleveland, you got to have a knife. Right? And so he pulled his knife out of his back pocket and he cut the guy ear off. Right? And so Jesus, Peter cussing and cutting, it seemed like he ought to be disqualified from working in the ministry. Right? It seemed like that ought to disqualify him. But it didn't disqualify him. God had to work on his heart. He said, listen, you know, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Don't be cutting people. Right? And so then when Jesus came back and resurrected, he came over that tomb and he said to him, uh, he, he asked him three times, do we love him for every time that he had denied him? And so Jesus helped him to get himself together, get his stuff together. And Peter went on to do great things. That wasn't the end of his mess ups. He messed up some more. The Bible says, uh, Apostle Paul said he had to rebuke him sharply. Right? So Peter wasn't perfect. Right? And so, but we understand that he had this passion for the things of God that we're going to look at this morning that flowed over into his life in a major way. And a lot of us are missing out on this. Uh, uh, 
Pastor Ben was talking to me about this, and he said, you know, he said that uh, what the Lord has showed him is that everybody's not a Peter. Everybody ain't Peter. It was only one Peter out of the disciples. Right? One cussing, cutting, you know, bad acting joker who wanted to walk on the water. There's only one. All the rest of the 11 wasn't like him. Right? He was radical. He wanted to get out there. And he said, Pastor, I think you expect, you know, you expect everybody to be like Peter. I said, yeah, God called me to call the Peters out. Minus the cussing and the cutting. Right? But we want everybody to walk on water. I want to see everybody walk on water. I want to hear your testimonies. I want to hear that what God did in your life. I want to hear victory. I want to see victory. I want to see you trust in God. That's what I want to see. That's what God called me to do. Call forth the Peters. Call, call them forth. Let them know walking on water is possible. Right? Hey, man. Listen, if we don't do it, then people ain't going to know it can be done. Right? So uh, he was explaining that to me, but we're going to look at, at Peter's life and look at... Uh, you know, some of the, some, something that Peter knew and something that he learned. So, verse 18 here, it goes on. It says, and I tell you that Peter, you are Peter, Greek, Petros, a large piece of rock. And upon this rock, Greek, Petra, a huge rock, like Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal regions shall not overpower it or be, or be strong to its detriment or hold it out against it. He said, I'm going to build my church on this revelation. What was it? You know, we, we, Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament, right? So we can say that he had a great, uh, great part if we were comparing. You know, he's at least right there with Peter, or a greater measure in establishing the, the early church, right? So what's he talking about? We're going to look at what he's saying. He said, there's something that I'm going to do that I'm going to build my church on that's going to put it in the place where the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're going to discover what that thing is, and we're going to, we hope that we're going to lead you down a path this morning to have a respect for what that is. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind or declare to be improper or unlawful on earth uh, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose or declare lawful on earth, it must be already loosed in heaven. So God says that I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and when you proclaim what I've already said in my word, what you when you proclaim uh, that heaven has already allowed, it shall be allowed. What you what you deny that heaven's already denied, it shall be denied. Right? I'm going to give you this kind of power. Uh, Mark chapter eight, verse twenty nine. Let's look there. Uh, so let's we've read it in. This, let's look at the same account over in Mark chapter eight, verse twenty nine, because in verse. In verse 14, verse 16, in verse 16 over in Matthew where we're just reading, after Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter's response was this, in verse 16, this is in Matthew, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Alright, so we look over here in Mark, which again is supposed to be Peter dictating to Mark, telling him what to write, there's a different way that it's written over here. Look slightly different. Mark eight twenty nine. And he asked him, but who do you, you yourself say that I am? And Peter replied to him, you are the Christ. Right? You are the Christ. The anointed one. Right? So he says to, to him over here in verse 16, it's written here. It says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then over here in the, in the other place, it says, you're the Christ, the Messiah. And meaning the anointed one. 
Right? You're, you're the anointed one. Now that word anointed again gets thrown around loosely. Right? He said you're the Christ. The, re- the reason why he's anointed is because he's the Christ. I've told you this before. That people think that Christ is Jesus' last name. Like Tom Smith. James Anderson, uh, uh, Luke Peters, Luke Peters, or whatever your name is, you know, uh, Russell Muskis, Lori Levi, Christ was not Jesus' last name. It wasn't his last name, but that's the way we look at it. People, that's the way we automatically think, because that's the way we function in society. Christ was not his last name. You look in the phone book, you Google on the internet, you're not going to find, you know, uh, Jehovah Christ. And then just go down the name of Christ. No, it was his, it was his deity. It wasn't the essence of who he was. Yes, right. So when Peter said to him, he said, "Thou art the Christ." He wasn't saying, "Hey, you know what? You know, you you, you one of them Anderson boys. You one of them Jones folks." No, he wasn't saying that. He wasn't talking about his earthly lineage. Who he? Because he, he would have said uh, to him, he would have actually called him by Joseph's last name. Right? He was speaking of heavenly things. He said, "You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Anointed One." So, so, so if he's, if he's saying that Jesus, if Jesus told him, he said, you should be happy, you should be envy. He said, this is a great thing. A man couldn't show you this. My daddy had to show you this. You're the anointed one. He said, you should be happy because you know I'm anointed. You ought to be happy. And why, why should he be happy? Because he, 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 you know, he knows he's anointed. Let's look over here at, uh, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Isaiah 10, 27. Talking about anointing. Oh, the service, it was anointing. That preacher was anointing. The worship was anointing. The donuts was anointing. Everything was anointing at church. We'd just be saying stuff. They need to know what you're talking about because you might be missing something. Everything's anointing. Well, Isaiah 10, 27, that's where we're going, right? Be saying stuff, man, just to be saying it. That's why, I mean, when you say stuff just to be saying it, and then somebody asks you about it, and then you can't describe it, and you lose the credibility. And they don't want to hear what you got to say. Isaiah 10, 27, now watch this. He says this, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off his shoulder and the yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now let's, let's, let's keep our finger right there. And let's go over to uh, Luke chapter 2. Christmas is coming. Somebody said Christmas is coming. So I gotta find this. Give me a second. Yes. Ah, go back over to Isaiah. I'll find it in a minute. I'm guessing it ain't that important right now. Isaiah 20, 10 27. 
Right. Isaiah 10, 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day, right, uh, that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, the, the verse that I was looking for over there, and I can find it, but it's taking too, taking too much long to read through all it. But it's talking about, it's referring to the day when Christ was born, right? So we're talking about the birth of Jesus, Right? It actually reads, when you read the verse, it uses the same verb. It just talks about that day. Right? It talks about uh, uh, this day. And so it says, and you read, uh, a lot of the book of Isaiah is prophesying about the coming of Jesus. It, uh, it talks about them having these names, Wonderful Counselor, and all these different things, the symbols of the uh, uh, of the, the, the candle and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's referring to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so it says that in the day, talking about the day when Jesus comes and, and Jesus goes through what he has to go through, uh, meaning going through the cross and his Holy Spirit re- being released and all that, it, shall, it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and the yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now that word destroyed doesn't mean broken, right? And we understand what a yoke is. We talked about this before. The yoke is something that you put, the oxen, put on the oxen for plowing. So that you can control it, right? And so you can break a, a broken yoke can be fixed and put back together. But if you destroy something, the word destroy means to ground into powder. Or like to make it explode. If something is destroyed or ground into powder, it cannot be put back together, right? So, so again, the yoke is something that is used to control. And the Lord says that the things, this is saying that the, the things that the enemy used to control you, when the anointing or this burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God comes, it will destroy the thing that the enemy is using to control Hallelujah. in that day when this anointing shows up. So that's why the anointing is important. We can actually, from this, define the anointing as the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Now let's go over to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. I do know where that is. Luke 4.16. And let's listen to Jesus say, well, and see what he says here. Luke 4.16. Luke 4.16. It says, So he came to Nazareth, at the, uh, that Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he entered into the synagogue as was his custom, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for the read, talking about Jesus. And there was handed unto him the, the roll of the book, the prophet Isaiah, and he opened and unrolled the book and found the place where it was written. Somebody say it. Yes. All right. Where it was written, uh, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has did what to me? Anointed. All right, he's anointing me. He said, so he went to look for a specific place and he read that specific spot. Yes. Right? It says, uh, the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Then, you see that next word after that? What's the next word? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for a reason. Right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for a reason. Because He has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for the purpose of the anointing. What is the purpose of the anointing? What does it mean? The Spirit of the Lord is on me to remove, to destroy the yoke that's on, on my life, uh, to destroy the yokes that's on other people's lives. And he's going to give you a list of the yokes here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, he's endowed me with power, right, uh, the, uh, to preach the good news. So preaching is going to be a way that's good, that the, uh, the yokes are going to be re- dis- uh, removed and the 
and destroy, destroy it through preaching, right? He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me, <coughs> he sent me to announce, release the captives and re- recovery of sight of the blind, to send forth the, as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed down uh, by calamity, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day and when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Then he rolled up the book and gave it again to the attendant and sat down in the eyes of all the synagogue who were gazing attentively at him. And he began to speak to them, to, saying, Today the scripture has been fulfilled while you are present and adhering. Let's look over in the King James Version and read that again. I think most of y'all are more familiar with that. This expound on a little more, but let's, let's do it again over here. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as the custom was, he went uh, it went into the synagogue. And on the Sabbath day, he stood up for the read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me. He has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Most of you are familiar with this version. He uh, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and handed it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. So Jesus said that the Lord anointed me to break these yokes. That's why I'm here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to destroy these yokes. Right? This is why I'm here. So anything, if you're brokenhearted, if you're sick, right, then that's a yoke that Jesus came to destroy. Right? That's that's why this anointing is so important. And I want to, let's let's again look at how it affects the life of Peter, and then we're going to go back and and prove some more of it. Jesus said, this is my purpose. He went in there and found a specific place where it was written. He said, this is why I showed up. To destroy the yokes of bondage on your life. And I'm going to do it through the anointing. How's he going to do it through the anointing? Because he was the anointed one. Now let's watch. Let's read this, this place here. Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And this is a great, great story. Talking about Peter and his understanding of the anointing. Remember what Peter said when Jesus asked him, he said, who do you say that I am? He said, I say you're the anointed one. I say you're the one that's endued with the power of God to remove burdens and to destroy yokes. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together at the, uh, to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they daily laid at the gate temple, which was called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. So the, the family members would go, whoever, care people, caregivers would take this brother over to the temple and he couldn't walk so he laid there and he would beg. We've seen this before. This is not the first time we've seen it. We've seen this in, in our life, right? So, uh, you know, I don't know how much money they was getting from it, but the guy, this was his thing that he did. I'm sure if you ask him, he'd rather be whole than to be begging, but maybe there was, uh, you know, where they, they flipped it to their benefit to a degree. Um, verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, John, uh, fixing his eyes on him, John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. 
So Peter told Peter looked at the man. He told him, he said, look at us. The man looked up at Peter. He was expecting. Somebody say he was expecting. All right, so he expected to receive something from them. And Peter said to him, watch this, listen to this. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Right? So that don't mean they didn't have no money. We know they had to work through money. He said, I don't got none in my pocket right now. I ain't got anybody going to Walmart and the people that out there selling cookies or something like that, they're taking up money and they, they need some cash. They say, I don't have no cash on me right now. Right? That don't mean they didn't have no money. I mean, he didn't have no money. He don't have, I don't have no cash on me right now, bro. Right? And so, he, but look at what the thing he says next. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have. I don't have no money on me right now, but I got something else. Right? But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was uh, that it was he who sat at the sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate in the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, and then verse verse eleven says, "Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them on the porch, which is uh, called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people." Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look intently at us as though we in our own power, say in our own power, our own power. or God, our godliness has made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied a holy one and a just one for a murderer and let a murderer, murderer be granted unto you. Verse 15. And kill the prince of life, whom God had raised from the dead, of whom uh, we are witnesses. And his name, and in, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given this man perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So he told him, he said, it's not, I didn't do it. He said, it's the anointing on me that came from him that caused the man to get up. Peter, they they all came grabbing on him. They're like, man, y'all the star preachers. Y'all the the good TVN folks with the perfect guy dudes. You know, you're in a nice suit. You're the the preacher, you know. And he said, no, that's not us. He said, you look at us like we did. We didn't do it. Yeah. There was a man that was here that we were following behind. And this man was full, this man was, was endowed with oil. He was, he was soaking wet with the power of God. And some of it got on us before he left. Some of the oil that was on the man, Jesus, it got on me. And so the, all I did was touch the man and the oil that came from Jesus to me got on the man. And that's how the man got up. Now watch this. This 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 is a real serious part right here. He says, "Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it out of ignorance. You rejected the anointing out of ignorance. You rejected the anointed one 
out of ignorance. There are people today that reject the anointing out of ignorance. They reject the power of God out of ignorance. Meaning not, ignorance is not that you're stupid. That means you don't understand. You do not understand the potential of what Jesus did. When we stand here and we take the Lord's Supper, right, and we say this is his body that was broken, this represents his blood that was poured out, we don't get some people to do that out of ritual. We don't do it here out of ritual. We do it here out of remembrance. He said, do this as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We remember that he went through that for something. He went through that whole idea to leave us something. Yeah. Right? It's a good thing to pay respect to what he did, but that's not, that's not what he wanted. He left them, he left them some power. Yeah. He said, I want, I want to leave you with this power. Right? So when we, when we take the Lord's Supper and we do not acknowledge that he left us something, some people don't acknowledge it out of ignorance, some people don't acknowledge it out of they, they don't want the responsibility. But there is an anointing, there is an endowment, there is power that comes from God that's accessible to all of us. Now Peter had an eye for the power and a respect for the power. Right? So when nobody else knew what was going on, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? So I'm saying, Elijah. You know, folks are always saying all the time different stuff. He said, who do you say? I say, you're the anointing one. You're the one with power. That's why I see hanging around. Yeah. And it was your power that let me walk on the water when I jumped out the boat. I know it. You don't think I know it, but I know it. Mm-hmm. Peter was wild, but he wasn't stupid. Right? He said, it was you. He said, you the one with the power. You're the anointed one. That's why Peter stuck so close with Jesus. He was deep in the power. Yeah. I got to be with you. Jesus. I should. <laughs> I want to be with you, Jesus. You got the power. Are you geeking for the power of God? Are you are you just following behind Jesus because you want the power on your life? Do you follow closely to Jesus? Now Peter, he was human, and he was following Jesus closely when the people came and got him, right? Because he still was out there power, right? But but he was scared too. That, listen, because you're pursuing the power, don't mean you're perfect, right? You might mess up some stuff, but you ought to be pursuing. Now they don't really tell about nobody else that was chasing after Jesus like that, do they? The reason why uh, uh, Peter pulled his sword and cut the dude's ear off is because he had respect for who he was. This man understood more than anybody else. Peter had the revelation of what was going on. 
because he was fascinated by the anointing. He was fascinated. So he explained, he said, these people are not drunk. He said, Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. He said, I'm just going to leave it in my head. <laughs> Hallelujah! But this is what was talking about the prophet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You saw the door of John The power is here. Right? So then it goes on to come chapter, you know, to the, the third chapter, and who was walking up to the temple? Come, 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 come. Peter was Peter and John, that's what we read, right? So they come walking up, and the guy says, uh, God says, hey, look, uh, spare change, spare change, got his spare change. He says, No, I don't have the money on me. But I got something else. Yeah. That I got it from God. Yeah. I got it from the God. I got this power on me. Want some of I got the power on me to help you get up. That way you don't have to be begging for spare change. You can get a job. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? Silver and all that or not, but this stuff that I have been craving since the moment I met the man. Hmm. Peter was just fishing in his about to go under. He was going broke. And Jesus walked over and he said, Let's go out again. Peter had an eye for the anointing. Do you have an eye? Do you have a respect for the anointing? Can you see when God is working through somebody or at work on something? Jesus got in that boat. They had caught. They said they carried all night. They couldn't catch nothing. Jesus got in that boat. They went out exact opposite. Caught so many fish. The net started to break. They had to call other people to come and help them because there's so many fish the boats were going to sink. And Peter told Jesus what he said. Right then, he said, no, no man can do this. You have to be, you have to be God. He, he, he didn't say his words right then, but he, he, he started acting like he said, I'm a man going to be with I'm cussed. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just me. I, I don't do everything right. I got a knife. You know, but, but why are you with me? Why are you in my boat? I don't qualify. Mm-hmm. Understand? So even, listen, even, you don't have to qualify from the beginning. You have to have a respect. Mm-hmm. You have to have a respect. And the Lord will qualify. Yeah, you go. Peter had an eye and a respect for the anointing. Now listen, when we read the Bible, what we think about as far as the anointing goes, we think about that it's only for the stuff that you saw and be doing in the scripture. Right? But the anointing will be Jesus. Listen, anything that's breaking your heart, anything that's keeping you down, that the sickness, financial problems, emotional problems, are all yokes and burdens. Anything that is, that is keeping you down, anything that's hurting you, he said, I've come to destroy that thing. Hallelujah. Let's read on that. Watch this. We're almost finished. A couple more minutes. All right. Um, okay, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Love this story. Love this story. Love it, love it, love it. 
me see what verse we want to start in. Okay, let's start in verse 14. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, Okay, so and always remember remember when they say in the word of God. Remember the, the when they talk about the word, when they talk about the word of God. Remember Jesus found a place where it was written. It says they had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. We are fighting. Over speaking in tongues when there's so much on the other side of it. Denominations fighting over speaking in tongues and God trying to get us this anointing. Come on, come on. Verse 15. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as for as yet it was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now I gotta stop right here. I gotta stop right there, right here. I gotta stop right here. It says when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. I work with Baptists, I work with Methodists, I work with anybody. Straight love for everybody. Okay? But people will say, well, when you read the Bible, it doesn't always say when somebody got filled with the Holy Ghost. It don't say they spoke in tongues. Okay, so if I pray for you, great example. Great example. I don't know if I pray for you. And you got it, right? So 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 if I have two people here and I pray for both of them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and nothing happens, how do I know which one got it? We can jump real spiritual, but it's not, I'm not looking for a real spiritual answer. It's real simple. If I pray for two people to receive the feeling of the of the Holy Spirit, how can I definitively say one of them got another one did? It's got to be some outward evidence. Something outward had to happen. And the speaking in tongue is simply the outward evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When they start saying they saw, when we read the scripture, it said he saw at the land on the hands that they received the infilling the, the of the Holy Ghost. Well, he had to see something. If I pray for both of them, I just, you know, I guess I just start guessing and say, well, uh, me, my new one ended up with his key. Me, me, my new one. Uh, I got you got it. <laughs> no, they had to see something. Yeah, come on. There was some outward evidence. Yeah. Thank you, man. So, so listen, every time, you, it, it, with, just because it don't say they spoke in tongues, that's the outward evidence. Now, I'm going to flip it around, and my, my, my assembly God people might get mad at me, but that's all right. I'll argue with them about it. Just because someone doesn't speak in tongues does not mean that they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. Let me help you. I can tell you, we talk about evidence, and what do we just say, right? Talking about evidence. The speaking in tongues is the evidence. I can say to you that I got my wallet in my back pocket. I can tell everybody in the church. And but you just have to trust me. 
until I pull out the evidence. I got my wallet. I didn't show it to you, but I got my wallet. So the speaking in tongues is the evidence, it's the outward evidence of what's happening on the inside. So you can go around saying, I don't speak in tongues to go, it's still you do. You have the whole outward thing. But you can't say that somebody is not filled with the Holy Ghost because they don't speak in tongues. Maybe they haven't released that piece of it yet. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right, let's keep going. What verse did I stop at? 18. Okay, so when it says, so when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost were given, he offered them, offered them money, saying, give me now this power that on whomsoever that I lay my hands, they will receive the Holy Ghost. Now here's it, the Simon the Sorcerer, if you read the story, he said that he had bewitched the people with tricks for a number of years before they showed up. Right? So the disciples show up over there and they're laying hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, so the guy says, he whipped out his checkbook and said, how much does it cost for me to be able to do what y'all are doing? He was so impressed. Now you got church people that ain't that impressed. He was a sorcerer and was impressed. It said he had bewitched, he tricked the people for a number of years. The counter, because the counterfeit saw the real deal. And he understood his own self that they got the real thing. I need what they have. What they have trumps what I've been working all these years. I need what they have. So he pulled out his checkbook and said, how much is it going to cost for you to give me the power? What was going on with the power? Was it just about speaking in tongues? The laying on of hands and the infilling of the Holy Spirit was how the anointing was When you get that, listen, when you get that Holy Ghost on the inside, guess what? Now I got the same thing on the inside of me that was going on the inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said to us, he said, greater works shall you do. Yes. How are you going to do greater works if you don't have the same tools that he did about? That's why this anointing was so important. That's why Jesus told Peter, he said, you should be so happy that you understand what's really going on. Amen. Because he knew, he said, listen, if you get this anointing, and so, so Simon Sorcerer knew the same thing. He said, I got the power to empower people. He said, I'm going to pay for the power to empower people. I can get people to come right to the chicks to lay their hands on them and get them filled with the Holy That's what his mind was. He said, if I can cut them a check, it's like going to like multi level marketing business. Right? I'm going to pay my money to get in. I'm going to get my two. Right? And so I'm, I'm going to charge them to come in. I'm going to put hands on them. He knew he just sell his plan. I'm going to go sell this whole note. What? Listen, why did, why, was, why did he assess such a value to this thing that he wanted to pay and then think he could go into business with it? Because he understood it had the power to change lives. Yeah, power. Do you understand that it has the power to change lives? Come on, guys. Do you understand that? Listen, if you don't get that piece of it, we wasted our time in here. Because that's the whole reason why he showed up. Let's, let's we're gonna end it on this verse right here. Go to Acts chapter 10. Flip over a couple of chapters. Verse 36. Uh, Lori, I want you to come up and read it. Because they, they may think I'm, I'm tripping. You go read it. I'm holding my phone. 
The word which God sent into the children of Israel. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent into the children of Israel, preaching peace like Jesus Christ. Okay, stop, 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 stop. They say the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, the word. He didn't say he sent them a word. He sent them the word. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Peace. Total silence, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. And the peace comes through Jesus, Christ not being his last name. He is Lord of all. That word. Okay, so it says the word in verse in verse 37. And then he goes on, uh, in verse 36, he says, the word. Then he comes back and clarifies what the word is. He says, that word. That word, I say, ye know, which is published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Put the grace on. He told you what the word was. This is what they were going around preaching. Everywhere they went, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. He went simple. No word to Jerusalem. Then he came back and clarified that word, the word of the anointed, the word that Jesus is anointed. And because Jesus is anointed, you can be anointed. Amen. Amen. That's what they went around preaching. I told you I preached this for two years. On the first five minutes, two years every week. That's all they could hear. <laughs> I, I got so turned on by it. I went on for two years talking about this because I did I understood. Listen, the times when, when the roughest time in my life, when nothing seemed like it was going right, because I understood that I was anointed, I knew that I wasn't going to say. I knew that I wasn't going to sink. I knew that I would get come back from whatever I was going through because I understood what I'm telling you right now. I anointed because He anointed me. That moment that I stood in that spot in the church and the whole sheet out, my cast out, my whole sit down, changed my life. I couldn't stop being a criminal. I couldn't stop being a woman. I couldn't stop being this. That day, done because that came into my life. That day. Appetite gone. I had listen. I grew up with the best grandmother in the whole world. Read scriptures to me when I got a fever. Took me to church this day. Made me take a softball back to the park after they had a tournament over there and I'd been gone for hours. She said I stole the softball because I didn't tell the people who took the ball. Same woman told me every time I was three years old, don't ever smoke weed. Don't ever smoke weed. Don't ever do drugs. The best grandmother in the world. And so I wanted to be good, but I couldn't be good until that moment. Hallelujah. That moment right there changed me from the inside out. Not only did it take away the things that I couldn't stop doing, but it was in Yeah. God said, I have anointed you to do a job for me. What does that mean? That means that, listen, I have given you the burden removing and yoke destroying power. And one of the things he wanted to do was preach. 
That's why some people can get up here and teach and you feel it. You understand it. You receive it. And some people get up here and you're like, I can't listen to this. Because they're no annoying. Right? Now some people are annoying to do some other stuff that I can't do. Right? So the anointing is not just for preaching. The anointing goes into other areas. You can be anointed to do business. Yeah. Right? You can be anointed to preach. You can be anointed just at, 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 at ministry to people being a good person. God is like that person. I just, I just want to be around and lift it. You know, salt. Yeah. There are different anointings. Right? There's some people that's anointed. My wife has a gift, which I have to use more. My, my wife has a gift of, of laying hands on people and seeing people be healed. One time we was in Atlanta, and so I, when something happened to me, the first person I come to was, oh, we was in Atlanta, and I was going to do a TV interview uh, the next day, and we got in the hotel room, and my, I sparked this fever, and I flew symptoms, just the worst flu symptoms I ever had. And I had flew all the way to Atlanta to do this, and it was a, a major, like, uh, secular show. They were going to let me talk about God on the show. And so I got there, and I'm like, man, this, I don't get better. I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And she prayed for me, prayed for me, prayed for me. I got up in the morning, I felt 100% better. I was back to myself. Several times the way she did done that. And people talk about, well, I feel the heat from her hands. From her hands. It's the only person I feel the heat. And get out. Right? So there's a no need that people have. That God has, listen, listen to me, God has given every person in this room an anointing. You need to find out what that anointing is. Because that anointing will not only remove your burdens and destroy your yokes, it'll do the same thing for other people. There are people that need you to do what God has gifted you to do. Peter had a respect for the anointing because he understood what it could do. We don't just go around the church using these words without understanding what they are about. Peter told me, he says, you killed Jesus, the anointed one, out of ignorance. And he, let me tell you something, he was so qualified to say that because he could spot the anointing in the heart. He could see it. He had a gift and an eye to see. This person gifted at that. This guy has a gift. That's why he said, listen, if you understand that Jesus is the anointed one, he has this power. He's the power of swords. It ain't nothing. If it's you, let me come out down the wall. He wasn't saying that you're the Messiah, if that's you out there, that ain't somebody else. Let me come out there. That's why he been twice about it before you know he's flashing walking across the wall. Because <laughs> he understood what he was working with. What's holding you back because you don't understand that Jesus was not just a good guy? He was the he was the anointed one. He is the one that down with the burden, removing the overstone power of God. We use the term baptism in the Holy Ghost. The word baptized means to dunk. You can dunk donut in your coffee. Right? So when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we talk about the anointed one. That means dunking you, you being immersed in the burden removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Right? So he talked about, he's talking about baptism. He said there was different kind of baptism. There's baptism in water, that's one kind, but there's baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's a life changer. That's why it's so important that we get. That's why it's so important. Uh, when I, I think the first time I talked to this message, uh, Lenny and Brian, both, 
came up and received baptism of the Holy Ghost. Took them right there in the back room, told them this is what's going to happen, and both of them got it. If you ain't feeling with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I don't care if you're Baptist, I don't care if you're Catholic, whatever, whatever you are, listen, you can still get it. Because Jesus worked past the denomination. Yeah. But you need to have it. I'm scared of that speaking in tongues. There's no worry about all that. Because there's someone on the other side of the speaking in tongues yes. that you need. Yes. You need it. But I thought you said you'd be filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Listen here. The one way to be for sure. It's the tongue's for Everything's for And I'm telling you, I'm changing your life. I pray, Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I pray. So when, listen, your tongues, when you pray, is a heavenly language between you and God. God will tell you what to pray when you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you're praying for yourself, sometimes you're praying for somebody else. Understand, this is the thing. This is the word that they went about preaching. How God anointed Jesus. What, what? Jesus was the Savior, right? The anointing is what he used to save. He used the word of moving your God to save us from everything. And that's what they went about preaching everywhere. Now I know you're not going to let a sorcerer outdo you. The sorcerer could see and he desired so much to point one because of chip. You're not even taking checks for this anymore. <laughs> if you ain't feel you ought to be seated. You ought to be seated. Because it'll change your life. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Stand up with me this morning. <coughs>